Well, hello. Welcome to another edition of Pivotal Conversations. I've recorded several of these today, so I have nothing zany to say. What do we got going for us, Richard? <laughs> yeah, so this time we have uh, a few different guests with us that uh, we can quick introduce, talking a little bit about frozen middles and not necessarily in popsicle format. So uh, we have Dormaine here. Hello. What do you do here? Um, I do product marketing. At Pivotal. They just, they, you can just throw any product at me and I'll market That's it. That's it. She markets it. <laughs> Like crazy. We have Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel Stevens with Red Monk. And we have Steven. I'm Steve O'Ready, also with Red Monk. All right. So I thought that we'd have a little bit of a chat for a few minutes about this idea of the frozen middle. We uh, heard it at Spring One last year when the, the city executive type, uh, Brad, I don't remember what his title was, talked about some of their transformation, some of that challenge. And frozen middle, I guess, is a term from the 80s that automaker. Uh, examples were. And the idea is that it, the frozen middle is those middle managers that kind of push back and create some of this organizational inertia and all that change that you want to enable at the top kind of gets stuck there. And then when the grassroots stuff happens, it kind of gets blunted before it actually makes it to the top. So if you don't change the frozen middle, I think the hypothesis is then your change kind of dies on the vine. So can we just have an empathy moment for those middle managers? Because I think <laughs> like it's you know, we're, we're putting a lot of focus there and it's yeah. sort of there's a tendency to to make that sort of maybe maybe blame even if you will. But um, like the middle of management life is tough, right? Like you're why? Well, it's like you're still you're still kind of like playing, right? You're still you're still getting stuff done, but you're also you're managing. You're not getting to like make the big decisions you're you're trying to execute it but you can't necessarily do it all yourself so you've got to make sure that all these people below you are executing it mm -hmm. um i just i just wanted to like start with an empathy moment for you know the reality of that's yeah, right that's sorry for for any business person if you've grown up in a particular environment you're used to a particular environment you're dropped into all of a sudden a completely new environment it's hard it changes hard doesn't matter who you are I mean, you and I talked a little bit about, I think, incentives as well as what sometimes causes things to die there is that, you know, are middle managers incented the right way to, you know, take some of this change from their developers and their ops staff? Or is it more about just kind of keeping things status quo? And they're also trying to absorb these maybe lofty objectives from a manager and executive. I mean, do you think there's an incentives challenge there that makes it where things get stuck? In theory, I think that a middle manager is the person who's supposed to be able to help you go over your entire organization and have some kind of strategic view. So your top is the people who have this strategic vision. The people at the bottom are the people who do the work. And the people in the kind of that middle layer are the, supposed to be the ones who help translate that. And so like the people at the bottom maybe don't necessarily understand the implications or the wider implications of what they're doing. And the people at the top don't really understand what the specifics of what they're asking. And so the middle managers are really there to help translate between the groups. And I think that that's a really challenging role and it's particularly challenging to incentivize that. So that's pretty fair. How do you, I mean, so in IT teams, you know, I think you, you all see how either both web companies as well as enterprises who want to be web companies kind of start to do this change. Mm -hmm. You know, how does that start to, Thaw, I guess, is the idea in the tech, you know, in a technology world where you have tech middle managers who, again, you have a, you know, potentially a manager of ops who is paid on stability and mm -hmm. therefore they do not want to introduce change. And I have a dev manager who's incented to ship software. Right. And so that's their incentive. And so you have this kind of clash over and over again. How do you see companies start to bust that? 
Well, I mean, do you want the positive answer or the negative answer? I want both. <laughs> uh, the positive answer is, is that in some cases, you know, you, you do have uh, organizations, consultants, you know, sort of outside resources, um, you know, sort of in, in some cases that's technology, in other cases that's services or people and so on, uh, you know, whose, whose job is uh, essentially to assist with the transformational process, right, to go in and basically say, look, we're not just going to, for example, come in and, you know, drop in, uh, uh, you know, some new platform or some new piece of technology, we're going to, you know, work with you to retrain essentially the organization around um, sort of this change, right? That's the positive spin. The negative spin is, is that uh, uh, there's a great Max Planck, a famous scientist quote, that the uh, opponents of um, uh, new scientific theories uh, are never sort of uh, correct themselves. They just eventually die off. And, you know, within, you know, some organizations, certainly what you end up seeing is, is that, um, you know, with a sort of quote unquote frozen middle, they just get routed around and eventually they become obsolete. And that's typically not good for your long term employment. Yeah, I just finished a good book, The Art of Action, which looked at the Prussian army in like the 1800s and how that translates to business today, which is, again, thrilling read on fun at parties. But what. <laughs> It was often about was how do you translate down and how do you actually arrange for agility and empower people in that middle layer so they don't feel like they're beholden to these instructions they can't achieve from the top and yet they're also kind of crippled from the bottom. Have you seen domain when you know Piddle runs with a lot of individual cells and teams? So there's not that I don't think traditional middle management layer here because sometimes the teams are self-sustaining and they've got their own little unit inside. I mean, do you think there's a I guess DevOps sort of way that you start to break that down because you don't just have this layer of middle management or is it just moved to a different place? Mm. Does DevOps fix the frozen middle? I don't know. No. I would I would argue no. No. Um, I don't think there's anything necessarily that fixes uh, the frozen middle simply because the frozen middle is the product of uh, you know really that that sort of as we said you know it's a sort of very human emotion, like a fear of change, right? And um, uh, can, you know, I think the other related question is, can DevOps help? Mm -hmm. And I think certainly in certain cases, sure, right? Because, you know, in other words, if you can get to the point where, um, let's say you've been tasked with modernizing your software organization, right? And you're part of this sort of frozen middle, you have no idea what's going on, you're used to doing things a certain way. Um, if DevOps or the process of going down that path can begin to show some immediate results, uh, and you can begin to see this change. Maybe then you buy into it. Maybe it's less scary, right? Because it's not just this weird new thing. And, um, you know, frankly, many of the, the sort of uh, people who are scared of this have heard claims like this for literally decades, right? Every year somebody has some brand new technology or product or methodology or process or whatever it is, it's going to fix everything and, and so on. So maybe, you know, certainly as you see um, uh, DevOps implemented and rolled out, you begin to see some of these results and you buy in. But yeah, I don't think there's any sort of, I don't think there's a cure, you know, so to speak. What about like actually what we were just talking about um, downstairs in terms of sort of rotations within an organization mm -hmm. um, and how when you start to rotate people around and thinking about that at that middle management mm -hmm. kind of layer, yep. that all those rotations kind of they're it's basically forcing change because yep. every time you make a rotation, you're like, I'm getting handed a brand new pile of problems I gotta go solve. Like I brand I, new pile of problems, brand new environment. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I can sort of think about what I did over here, but I'm gonna have to adapt on some level. And if you do that enough times, that kind of becomes 
the culture, Mm -hmm. then each one of those is like, okay, we're just going to get used to change. And at each point you have to, you have to look at what's, what's actually happening in the here and now Um, because you're, you're coming into it with a fresh pair of eyes. So I don't know, just like a hypothesis about, um, you know, rotations. And and it also kind of breaks some of those silos because I think one of the reasons why they're, but that doesn't happen is because people sort of have this notion of expertise, right? Like a friend of mine is a, he's, he's a data scientist. And then um, now he manages a team and he's got like 20 something people below him. And he's, he's essentially kind of in one of now in some kind of middle management layer. He's constantly trying to stay on top of his, you know, data science chops, right? Like it's a highly technical field. But he's also got to like play the politics and figure out all these other things going on. And, you know, it's tricky because you take someone who's got literally decades of training in that like field like data science and like where are you going to rotate them around into? Like the guy has, you know, written Mm -hmm. like how many papers on this topic? I mean, maybe that doesn't apply to all corners of, you know, IT and development. That's kind of an extreme corner case. But, you know, in other places yeah it's like someone who's well I, I understand this application or like this I work with this line of business and I really understand their needs like maybe that's part of the problem is mm-hmm. like you're not looking at it with a fresh pair of eyes but there's this perceived notion of expertise that you don't want to let go of mm. yep that's, that's pretty fair um, certainly cultivates versatility you know if nothing else right in terms of being sort of rotated around you can't become too comfortable you know certainly where you are and you know hey you know we've always done things in this, you know, particular department or BU or whatever it is, um, because, you know, hey, I've been here for, you know, a year and I was somewhere else a year before that and somewhere else a year before that. Um, so, yeah, I can certainly see that as a working hypothesis. And I've definitely seen just in my own experience the hoarding of organizational knowledge as a source of job security. <laughs> and so the rotation yeah. thing can definitely help with that. Yeah. Doesn't a lot of this come down to, though, it's got to be safe to fail to some extent? You would think that middle managers often get so atrophied or so terrified because you know they, they worry that they didn't translate the top-level objectives right, so they're just going to try to play it safe, and they don't want to get it wrong. And So, I mean, does a lot of this have to be that it's okay to make a mistake so that, again, you do allow people under you to be a little more risky or ambitious versus stunting any sort of innovation they're trying to do i mean do you see that i think around here when you were talking all of a sudden i hit this realization i think i'm middle management now which <laughs> really just freaked the hell out of me um but part of that was i mean i think pivotal makes it a pretty safe place to fail i don't think you can fail repeatedly doing the same thing but that gives you a certain freedom that i think says, that's the definition of insanity yeah yeah that's, that's true yeah but is it, but do you see that i mean does that have to be rotations great. I think empathy is great and you understand all the different roles, but does some of this have to come down that you feel like it is safe to be curious? Yeah, I, I think certainly the larger the margin for error that any individual employee has, the more open I think they'll be to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reverse is true, right? So in other words, if basically you have no margin for error, if the first thing that goes wrong, you're out, well, you know, guess what? You're going to be pretty resistant to any change whatsoever, you know? So yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, absolutely, there's a correlation there in terms of, you know, having a tolerance for yeah, maybe not everything going perfectly correctly. And, you know, hey, we're going to try this. If it works, great. If it doesn't, then that's okay, too. Um, 
yeah, I can definitely see that. You know, you know, I, I don't remember uh, the only encounter I've had with Prussian military theory, which was really bizarre, was in that uh, Lean Enterprise book. And I remember coming across and being like, wow, this is an odd thing to come across. Uh, but but it does like uh, uh, it, it, it does seem like, you know, when I talk with people who are, are frozen and you get, all of y'all have, have hit on this stuff a lot, it seems like. To some extent, at least in not even a stereotypical way, but the way we think about middle management is is to the point of the frozen metaphor, we're setting into stone a process and middle management is in charge of making sure that process is followed and executed. And it seems like, uh, you know, that's sort of nice and more of what we want to shoot for is at least like a slushy middle management where like their job is more to sort of like to use another metaphor, you know, smell the cheese often and see if it's gone bad. Like they need to be more of a monitor of like, are we re- meet, meeting the ends that we want, uh, which is the point of not being able to fail constantly. Um, and uh, and then also like, how do I manage the change to the new way of doing stuff? And I don't know if middle managers typically think of themselves that way. Like they almost expect, and you still need this, they need the higher level managers to pass down the, uh, you know, time to change or whatever. Um, and so maybe that's like, I think, especially in the tech industry, the frustration we have with a lot of middle management people is they don't, they don't change on their own. And and I think part of it is like, that's not their job description. I mean, and, and as a, as a, uh, example of that, like, I think, I think to turn a, to turn a, a sarcastic joke into a positive, right? Like the, after like three or four years of Spotify culture presentations, you realize that like having no culture is their culture, right? Like they just change it and adapt it around as needed on an annual cycle. And obviously I'm overstating it, but it's sort of like, it seems like what we would want middle management to get more comfortable with is like, yeah, we should change things around all the time to meet whatever goals we want. Not, not gratuitously, but if we need to change things around, we should monitor for that. And if things are going poorly, we need to change how things operate. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, sir. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've ever read, I haven't finished the book, Holacracy, you know, these ideas of having truly almost yeah. self-organizing yeah. stuff where there is no management and teams figure out what they do and it's extremely fluid. And there's some success and it sounds like some terrible failures with that. But, you know, do we think that in tech, the role of middle management doesn't have to be a complete slog, that there can be something where you actually might aspire to doing that and not fear that you've just you know, completely torpedoed your career? I think so much of it honestly depends on the organization, right? Depends on sort of the wider culture of the organization, you know, because look, middle management, uh, you know, on some level, you know, you know, per Rachel's description, I think is, which is very apt, which is like, you know, it's, it's not that different from, for example, in the military, you have officers, right? The, the, you know, sort of, you know, according to, uh, you know, a lot of definitions of officers, officers are there to essentially hand down orders. They go down to the non-commissioned officers, the sergeants, and they're the ones who figure out how everything actually gets done. And part of, you know, the officer's job is effectively to run interference, right? So that, you know, you can actually get done what you're supposed to get done. And that's, you know, not dissimilar from what you see within, I think, a lot of organizations, right? Which is, okay, I'm going to actually take care of the politics so you guys can, you know, sort of be effective, right? So, what is that? That depends on having a culture where you buy in and where you want to take care of, um, where you care about the job, you care about the people and everything else, you know, versus organizations where you don't care about the job, you don't care about the people. Well, you know, basically you're just there, you know, pushing, you know, pushing things around your desk. And yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the answer to me is, is that it really depends on the culture of the place. Yeah. Collecting TPS reports. Exactly. Yeah. In other words, that's the, that's the canonical example. Do you think, uh, Domain middle management doesn't have to suck? No, it doesn't have to suck. 
you know, I think a lot more people need to aspire to it because there's going to be a lot more people in it. Yeah. Like there's just no way around it. So we have to make it not suck. I'm saying that as like a almost more of like a, a mission yeah. statement than like an actual truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, if we think about it, like we do have to fix that. Right. So that it's like the only people end up in middle management are either like pushing things around their desk or they're just trying to figure out how they can climb higher up the ladder and like step on whoever they need to, to right. get there. Like, if uh, if we just you know keep going right. down that route, like this is never going to get better. Yeah, and I know even the book on the Prussian military, which again I'll refer to again. Clearly, a great read, art yeah. of action. Uh, but it made the point that sometimes it's easy to say like, hey, you know, we don't want managers, we want leaders, and that can be super cliche. But you actually need managers. Like you need people who know how to help people execute on a particular path and get things out of their way. And it's not just about ambitious motivational statements and attaboys and let's go it's it's actually about people who know how to execute so i know it's easy to be kind of i don't know talk down about management but it's super important it's just maybe not as sexy as somebody who can go up there and deliver a fiery speech that gets everyone out i was gonna say i think a lot of the a lot of the organizations not all of them of course but a lot of the organizations that decided that they didn't you know sort of at the outset that they didn't need managers turns out they needed managers right and you know, those transitions in many cases have been painful. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, it's not that there can't be exceptions, you know, that are able to function without it. But, you know, at a certain level, you have to be able to uh, process, get things done. And they're just like in any group of people, there's going to be politics and, you know, sort of differing agendas and so on. And how does that get juggled? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you're a developer, you really don't want to deal with that. Yeah. So it'd be really cool if there was somebody whose job it was to deal with that for you so that you could actually get your shit done. Yeah. Well, I feel I feel like this has probably been very helpful for Richard, who who seems to have recently had this dark epiphany that he is middle management. <laughs> so I, I think I think I think uh, along with his fascinating uh, bedtime reading, it sounds like uh, his his Prussian whatnot. Like I think I think he's got some some good stuff to chew on here. So uh, why, why don't why don't each of you tell us uh, like if people want to like find you more on the internet or whatever where where they can go to look for you. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Rachel. Um, Rachel, you can find me over at Redmonk or on Twitter at rstevensme. Dormain. Oh yeah, so if you just look for my name, uh, which is D O R M A I N, but if you Google that, you just get a lot of people who mistyped domain. <laughs> <laughs> Did you mean on your own name? Uh, you do. I, I do. And, uh, but then only if it's just my first name. And then, so that I'm just going to tell you right now is not how to find me because you'll just get a lot of people with fat fingers. Um, and it's kind of, it's actually like a big word for the internet. Like apparently there's some relationship between the two. So nonetheless, that happens. So you got to go with the whole Dormain Drewitz. Um, I know it's a lot to remember, but you know, Twitter at Dormain Drewitz, some robot got at Dormain probably thinking like, gosh, this is really close to this other word that seems really popular. <laughs> so I unfortunately didn't get that one. Nice. Yourself, Steven? I'm at uh, redbox.com and I'm on Twitter at S-O-G-R-A-D-Y. Well, good. Well, hopefully we've, uh, you know, I don't know if in dear listener, if you're a part of the world, you have something called a sonic but like at a Sonic, they have something called the slushy, which is a divine drink. Hopefully, we we figured out how to freeze middle management at least into that. If you get the lime one, they put like a half lime at the bottom. It's it's a fun exercise to see if you can like 
suck out the lime without destroying your teeth with all the ice in it. It's uh, You do that when it's really hot. But as always, this has been Pivotal Conversations. You can find all the latest uh, episodes that we have at soundcloud.com slash pivotalconversations. If you subscribe to the feed that's there, you don't have to worry about anything. It'll just be downloaded automatically. You can you listen at your leisure. It'd be delightful. Also, if you haven't uh, gone into iTunes and left a review or a rating or gone into Overcast and click click the little recommend thing, that would be great to do. Or it's also nice just to tell us you listen and recommend it to your friends and help us promote it everywhere because we really are just doing this uh, you know, to know that people are listening to it. Otherwise, I could sit here and talk into an empty coffee cup. It would be kind of the equivalent. But uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>